Welcome to another great message at Anchor Church. We pray this message will encourage, inspire, and transform your life. Our heart is to share the hope of Jesus with our city and nation. Hello, Anchor Church. It's Jake Schwartfeger here, greeting you from Zambia, Africa, home of the mighty Victoria Falls. We are actually standing right now at Rapid 13, which is on our mission base of uh, operation here in Livingston where we conduct our international operations, where students are trained for the mission field, where uh, we strategize for how to, how to see a move of God happen uh, throughout Africa, throughout the, throughout the world. Um, thought it would be a fun spot to do a video and to share with you guys, knowing that you've been watching Pastor Adrian from his bedroom, I'm sure, week after week. So we thought we'd try and jazz it up a little bit. Um, it's so good to be with you. I'm so excited about starting this series called The Culture of Revival as we're just contending and believing God that regardless of current world events, regardless of coronavirus, regardless of lockdowns, regardless of, of what's happening right now, we know that God is not put in a box because of circumstance, that revival is not able to be a thing because world events are, are situated correctly. Revival is revival because it's in God's Word. Revival is revival because God has placed it in us through Jesus Christ. So I've actually spent the last several months during this time of quarantine um, really studying revival, studying revivals that have happened over the years. I've looked into the Welsh Revival. I've looked into Azusa Street and trying to understand the components. What 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 led up to these to these incredible moves of God? Um, what resulted out of them? Uh, what was the heart of the people? Um, and what I found is that one of the key ingredients to any revival that's ever happened is is abandonment, is wholeheartedness, is being all in for Jesus. And so it's really it's really caused me to wrestle with you know first off, what's the motivation that leads us to be all in? If I just stood in front of you right now and said you need to be all in for Jesus. A lot of you are saying, listen, I don't even know where to begin that desire. I, I know I'm supposed to love Him, I'm supposed to serve Him, but what is it that draws out the radical in us to give ourselves wholeheartedly? And I want to share with you guys um, two stories, actually. One going back to when I was in my early teenage years, um, and I was actually working at a daycare in the United States. Um, and during this time, we had several of the young children that were in the daycare uh, that had a pretty tough uh, childhood situation. Their, their parents weren't around, parents were in and out of jail, um, and you could see the longing these kids had for um, levels of stability and, and just knowing they were loved. And so there was one particular little guy that I fell in love with, um, but he was, as we would say, um, in the States, he was ornery. Um, and so one day he came in, and I'm not gonna use his real name, we'll call him John. One day John came in and he had that face on him that said, hey, it's been it's been an interesting weekend for me and uh, and I, I'm, I'm gonna be up to some, um, some, some ornery play today. He came in, I greeted him, and right away he started kind of breaking the rules within the, 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 the structures of the daycare. And so I put him in his timeout chair and I said, John, listen, bud, let's have a good day today. You know, you know, you know the rules. You can't injure the other kids, you, whatnot. And I kind of redirected his attention over to a toy box. So we went to the toy box and the rule was you can take out two toys, play with two toys, 
you put them back and you can get others out. So I kind of sat and was observing him for a minute and I saw him take one out, saw him take a second out, and before you knew it, he had dumped the entire box over. You know, he's just like, heck with this, I'm not playing by the rules today. So again, I kind of, hey, bud, come sit down, you know, and we had, a, we had a conversation and I came back and sat in a rocker and just took a minute to say, Lord, what do I do in this situation? How do I awaken in this little guy the desire to obey my voice, the desire to obey because I don't want harm for him. I don't want him to feel like he's in a box. I actually want him to feel free and liberated, um, you know, and, and, and able to enjoy the day. And I just felt like the Holy Spirit spoke to me in that moment. And again, I was a young teenager. Still, I personally wasn't yet radical for Jesus. And, uh, and yet the Spirit of God spoke to me and said, Jake, tell him you love him. And I wrestled with it for a minute because I was like, you know what? I don't feel like I, I, I love him right now. You know, I, I love him, but I, I don't really want to say that right now. I, I, he's, he's not listening. And I had my little time, you know, back and forth and I'm sitting in the rocker. And eventually I just thought, you know what? My tactics aren't working. So let's try what the Lord says. And I said, hey, John. And he turned around. And at this point, you know, he's off the timeout chair. He's back to the toys. He's, he's spread them out again. And he's kind of waiting for the next rebuke. And I just said, you want to know something? And he kind of looked at me and <clears throat> said, I love you. And I'll never forget that little guy's face when I spoke that I loved him. I'll never forget how quickly he turned, gathered the toys, dumped them into the bucket, pushed it back to where it went. And he literally sprinted at me, jumped into my arms as I rocked in that chair. And I held that little guy there for, for what felt like a very long time. It was a really defining moment in my life because I realized that the thing that motivated that young man, that, that little guy, to wholeheartedness, to obedience, was understanding my love for him. And the truth is that that is the Bible. 1 John chapter 4, verse 19 says, We love because he first loved us. And I think if we want to even begin to talk about what it means to be all in, what it means to... to to be radical for Jesus Christ, we have to settle ourselves in the facts that He first loved. I think of the scripture in the book of Psalms, which I'd like us to turn there if you got your Bible, Psalm chapter 18, starting in verse 16, it says this, He sent me from on high, He took me, He drew me out of many waters, He rescued me from my strong enemy, and from those who hated me, for they were too mighty for me. They confronted me in the day of my calamity, but the Lord was my support. Now listen to this. He brought me out into a broad place. He rescued me because he delighted in me. Love it, I want you to know, this is David talking. David had a revelation of God's delight over his life, and it's what made him radical. It's what made him danced like a wild man in the presence of God as they brought the Ark of the Covenant back into the, into the, to, to the chosen people of God. It's, it's what caused David to be identified as a man after God's own heart. David was a man after God's own heart because he understood God was radically after his own heart. And so those of you who are watching right now, I just, I want to walk you through a little practice just saying this, Jesus, I believe that you love me radically with all of your heart. Some of you have, may have never settled into that reality. Some of you might actually be trying to earn that love somehow. Some of you might be thinking, I go to church so that God will love me. 
I become radical so he'll love me more. I, I choose to become a missionary so he'll love me most. No, guys, the, the, the start of our entire life in Jesus begins with this, with this fact from the book of Romans that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And in that place, we find that he chose us in our weakest, darkest, most terrible moment. And in that place, he said, I put my love upon this one. You remember, Paul says the love of God constrained him. And we have to understand that in order for us to become radical for Jesus, that same constraint of his love has to settle in us. And it has to propel us to do everything that we do for the kingdom. Now, the incredible part about it is, you know, I think each of us have a testimony. We all have stories. And for me, this is my testimony. I, I, I was one of those guys that, that was all in. Whether I, whether I was um, playing soccer, whether I was learning an instrument, whether I was living you know, for the world and living for the devil, I did it radically. I, I was 100% I was committed. And, uh, and it was interesting because in that time of my life, in my teenage years, when I really started to run from the Lord, I had a radical encounter with Jesus, which changed everything. I've never been the same since. And what happened was in my darkest moment, which if I look back at my life, the moment he chose to visit me was in fact my darkest moment. I was more entrenched in sin, more entrenched in unbelief, more opposed to God and his purpose for my life than I'd ever been. And I was made aware, I think the Spirit of God made me aware that that was my position. And in that place, I became afraid. And I cried out to God and I said, God, is there any way you'd take me back? I'll do anything. I realized that I've, that, I've, that I've acted, you know, terribly against you. And I just began to weep. And as I wept on my floor in my bedroom, um, the presence of God filled the room. And I was, I was struck with terror. And I became quiet. I realized, you know what, I, it feels like God's here. And, and, and I didn't know what to say. And out of that, God spoke to me. And what he spoke to me, I'll never forget. It still rings in my heart every day. He said, Jacob, I still love you. And in that moment, I realize now what happened was he set the seed of revival in my life. He awakened me to love. And in that place, although I had a hundred other things I could have pursued, I just decided and determined that Jesus, if this love is something you've given as a gift and you've given it for, to me forever, that you're not gonna take it away, I will serve you and I will follow you and I will do whatever you ask of me because this here, as soon as he spoke that, I was liberated. As soon as he spoke that, I received it with faith. I did not need anything else on the earth. I didn't need the popularity that I had in school. I didn't need the, the success of soccer. I didn't need the academic you know, prowess that I was moving in, whatever. Jesus satisfied every yearning of my heart in that moment when he spoke his unconditional, perfect love into my life. It awakened love in me it awakened a radical desire to be all in for Jesus. And so I want to tell you today that the, the initiator to be radical is to surrender to his love. It's to stand in that place where wholeheartedly you say, I believe that you love me. And what was awakened from that time really led me to a place of, of wholehearted surrender. It led me to a place where I read scriptures that said things like, Unless you renounce all, you cannot be my disciple. And I didn't see it as a negative thing. I think we read some of these verses and we think, geez, that's, that's crazy, Lord. Renounce all? Is that what you really mean? Renounce all? I mean, 
that seems like you're asking a lot, but when you come into contact with God and when you understand His love for what it is and how wholeheartedly it's been given, nothing measures up to it again. Nothing compares. And to say renounce all, you say, I've already done that because I've chosen you. You're my portion. So I'd like us to turn to the book of Luke because from this place where we're awakened to love, where we're where the motivation to be all in is, is drawn out of us, that is the place where we can utter these radical all-in commitments to Jesus and really mean it and actually walk it out. Love is the motivator to walk out radical obedience. We see love and obedience almost in opposition. Like, well, you know, they can't be together because God loves me in spite of my obedience. He loves you in spite of your obedience, but His love inspires obedience out of you. So in Luke chapter 1, in verse 35, it says, And the angel answered her. And we're talking about Mary right now. Actually, let me start in verse 34. And Mary said to the angel, How will this be since I'm a virgin? So the angels just delivered the news. Mary, you're going to conceive a child. You're going to call his name Jesus. He's going to be known as Emmanuel. God is with us. And it's going to be done in a divine way. God's going to cover you with the Spirit. She says, How will this be since I'm a virgin? The angel answered her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you. And I just want to say, well, and it says, And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Another part of revival is when the Holy Spirit covers you and the, and, the, and the power of God comes upon your life because God's power is about signs and wonders and miracles and it's also about being able to actually exhibit the very divine love of God. So the angel says, The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be called holy, set apart, the Son of God. And behold, your relative Elizabeth in her old age has also conceived a son. And this is the sixth month with her who was called barren. For nothing will be impossible with God. This is a big moment. Mary has now received a truth that could change her life and could change the, the course of the world. And yet in receiving that truth, Mary also has to wrestle with some facts. The promise of God came and it's an incredible promise. And it's incredible that she was chosen to carry the seed of God. But at the same time, she realizes if I go along with this, everyone in my community is going to think I was unfaithful to my husband. If I go along with this, the man that I'm meant to marry, the man that I'm meant to, to be married to is going to think that I was unfaithful to him. She's now caught between a rock and a hard place where do I surrender to God and obey his word over my life? Or do I figure out how to make this situation work with God's word and, and try and, 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 and enforce the two together? And this is where I want to speak into where each of you are right now. I believe I'm speaking to many people that are radical for Jesus, or at least are on the, are on the precipice of just wholehearted abandonment. And in that place, you're trying to figure out how to be radical with Jesus according to your circumstance. Now, I actually want to say, it's not the best way to approach it. you got to learn how to be radical for Jesus regardless of your circumstance. Your circumstance cannot define your obedience and your, and your wholeheartedness before Jesus, Jesus defines that. And out of that, you begin to define your circumstance. And so I believe that I'm talking to people right now that, that man, it's been tough. You've probably, there's people who've lost jobs. There are people who don't know how they're gonna pay bills month to month. There's people who have, who have been isolated and just being away from fellowship has been extremely difficult. I wanna tell you, 
You have a helper. His name is the Holy Spirit. He never left you. He is with you. You have the word of the Lord that is meant to inspire and awaken love and awaken wholeheartedness. You have the authority of the Spirit of God on your life. You have the promises of the Word of God which carry you through incredible times and very difficult times. So I want to speak into this right now. Those of you who are saying, well, once coronavirus ends and I can consider wholeheartedness. No, consider it right now. In fact, I typically see people inspired to wholeheartedness in their darkest, most difficult times. So why not today? Why not this hour? Why not this week? Why not we just determine I'm going all in? Jesus, I'm going to radically believe in your love and I'm going to radically define, not by the current situation, but I'm going to be defined by the Word of God. I'm going to understand that you have called me chosen, holy, precious. You've called me the righteousness of God. We understand in 2 Corinthians 5.17, it says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. Part of the thing that inspires being radical is when we plant ourselves on the word of the Lord. So listen to Mary's response. Mary said, after the angel says, For nothing will be impossible with God. Mary said, Behold, I'm the servant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. That might seem like a weak posture, but I tell you, it was one of the most powerful expressions, one of the most powerful utterances the world has ever seen. This woman took God and he, she took his word and her response was, behold, I'm your servant. Let it be done unto me according to your word. It makes me think of Isaiah 66, which again I'm going to turn to. In Isaiah 66, is another powerful set of verses. Verse 1 says, Thus says the Lord, Heaven is my throne, and the earth is my footstool. What is the house that you would build for me? And what is the place of my rest? All these things my hand has made, and so all these things came to be, declares the Lord. But this is the one to whom I will look upon. So he's coming in, and you know we understand that... that the, the, in the context of this time, there's the building of the temple. There, there's, there's these things that they've done to show their love for God. But he says, heaven is my throne. Earth is my footstool. What is the house you would build for me? Am I going to be impressed by a house? Am I going to be impressed by, by some material thing? No. He says, this is what impresses me. This is the one to whom I will look upon. And in the Hebrew, where it says look upon there, what God is saying is actually this. This is the one I cannot take my eyes off of. Are you ready? He who is humble and contrite or broken in spirit and trembles at my word. I've heard people debate over why Mary was chosen. I think it's very clear. She was humble, she was broken, she was contrite in spirit, and she was willing to tremble at the utterance of what came out of the mouth of God. The ability to see revival is inextricably linked to our willingness to be constrained to His Word, not our situation. Our willingness to be defined by His Word, not our circumstance. I'm so thankful that as a 17-year-old, God did not leave me in a place of sin and desperation and, and, and darkness. That He visited me and what He spoke to me first was not how idiotic I had been behaving, which I was an idiot. It wasn't how you know, how could you have left your, your father's and mother's teaching, which they taught me the things of the word. He didn't come in 
with a, with a rebuke immediately. He came in and he redefined me based upon his terms. Jacob, I still love you. Makes me think of the scripture that says it's the kindness of the Lord that leads us to repentance. But guess what it does? It leads us to repentance. Another hallmark of revival that I'm sure we'll speak about is that people repented. To repent means to turn, means to change. It's not just, it's not only action, it's also thought. It's to change the way you think. And what I've come to learn is before you change the way you move, you've got to change the way you think. Many of us are entrapped in sin, we're entrapped in hopelessness, despair, because our thought life is absolutely dominated, not by the word of the Lord. It's dominated by hell. It's dominated by the world. We live off of, off of the, the, the news lines of the day. We live off of the spirit of fear that the devil's always trying to put upon us. But I, I'm so thankful, again, that the Bible says that we do not live under the, under the spirit of fear, but under power, love, and self-control. That's the spirit that's inside of us. And so my desire, what I hope for today is that I've begun to awaken something in you. I believe that God is seeding something in Anchor Church and in those of you that are tuning in in social media all over the world, I believe God is awakening. He's inviting you saying, I'm inviting you to be wholeheartedly mine as I've made myself wholeheartedly yours. You cannot come and stand before the cross without realizing he gave all. He gave his all for me. He gave his all for me. He has every right to require all from me. But again, we love because he first loved us. So my prayer for you today is that God would awaken your heart to know the heights, the lengths, the widths, and the depths of His love, that you will be so planted and established in His love that nothing, nothing can shake you from it. And out of that place, it will allow an utterance to come out of your lips that says this, Behold, I'm the servant of the Lord. Do whatever you want to do. I'm not here to make a deal with you. I'm not here to, to put forward the terms of my contract. You are God. You are sovereign. You are worthy. I'm all in. And I promise you, if a remnant of people gather together with this disposition of the soul, humble and contrite in spirit, trembling at His word, God cannot take His eyes off of you. He says, he says to His angels, Look! Look at them! They're wholeheartedly giving themselves to me, just as I gave myself to them. Wisdom is justified by our children. Look! The cross! The cross did it. What my son chose on behalf of me as the father has wooed my people to give themselves wholeheartedly love. And out of that place, not only will they love me, but they'll obey me. They'll follow me. They'll wholeheartedly commit themselves to all, to all that I ask for. The miracle about revival is that God seeded it in us already. Revival is not a location we have to rush to. Revival is what happens when Jesus comes to truly rule and reign in our hearts. You're being invited to revival today. You're being, revi you're being invited into a culture of revival that must begin with wholeheartedness. Lukewarmness is something Jesus has no time for, and he makes it very clear in Revelation. Sometimes what we do is we look to our left, we look to our right, and we say, hey, 
Compared to the other people around me, I'm radical for Jesus. But other people are not the standard. The standard is the standard, and that standard is the Word of God. Jesus is the standard for revival. Look to Him. Let Him set the standard. Surrender to His standard and give yourselves wholeheartedly. We love you guys. We're praying for you. Press in today.